big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. Greetings and welcome to episode 68 of Eastern Promise, the podcast made by the CIC, whose role it is to raise aspiration and visualise potential in and for the East of England. This week, well, where else would I be? Eastern Promise is at the Royal Norfolk Show 2023, the UK's premier two-day agricultural event. I've been touring the stands, talking to exhibitors, looking at the amazing things the East of England does and popping into more tents than a hungry polar bear. And even then, this is just scratching the surface. And finally, do you love latitude? Are you a fervent fan of the First Light Festival? Let's find out your top East of England events in another crowd sorcery. The Royal Norfolk Show is unique. Nothing else in the region can match its feel of being simultaneously intimate yet massive. It's the largest two-day agricultural event in the UK and this agrarian element remains at its core. However, it's also a chance for some of Norfolk's biggest firms to lay on some first-class hospitality, treat their clients like royalty and entice new business. So join me as I traverse the avenues and boulevards of the Royal Norfolk Show 2023, thrusting my microphone at those caught unawares. But where to start? Well, let's begin at the very beginning. Well, the great day has arrived. Day one of the Royal Norfolk Show. And already, it's not even nine o'clock yet, already the showground's buzzing. Really looking forward to getting out here, meeting some, meeting some folk and finding out why this is the premier two-day agricultural event in the UK, as if you didn't already know. Of course you did. But let's go and have some fun, eh? Alex Larter, the Food Innovation Cluster. It's the start of the show. How many coffees in are you? Two, I think. Two coffees? That's it. You're falling behind. I am. So tell us, <laughs> if there's one part we know, one thing we know about the Royal Norfolk Show is that it's about food. Yes. And if there's one thing that excites me and Eastern Promise, it's the potential for food and innovation in food, food tech, yep. to transform the things we do so well in this county and really take a quantum leap forward. Alex Larter of the Food Innovation Cluster, how exciting to have you here. Well, it's so great to see you here. Tell us what you're doing here. Um, yeah, well, it's great to be here. Um, so what we're doing here is we're just promoting our businesses and, and the work that we do for the Food Innovation Cluster um, and the work that UEA has done working with the SMEs of the region, uh, just promoting our first ever trade directory for food and drink in Norfolk and Suffolk, uh, as you can see on the table here. Absolutely. So leafing through that, it sounds fairly obvious, but leafing through that, what's someone going to find? So what you'll find is everything 
about the cluster, so to understand what we do and what our, our, our targets are. Um, understand about the partners through the project, uh, which is a Broaden Food Innovation Centre project, linked to the Broaden Food Innovation Centre just off the A47, and also Hethel Innovation and, and the Innovation Support Programme. But also, and more importantly, I, I think, is um, <laughs> is basically, uh, it's a who's who of food and drink businesses in the region. Oh, so there are contact details, um, who, who, who you need to talk to, um, yeah, a phone number and an email address for food businesses, yeah. um, food and drink manufacturing, but also wider services. So there'll be marketing companies that specialise in supporting food and drink businesses yeah. too. I mean, if you go around something like the Quadrum Institute and they've yes. got kitchens on every, almost every floor, yep. you, you see that the knowledge uh, and innovation and the use of food as, 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 as a medicine almost, well, not also, almost exactly as a medicine, yep. uh, that, that makes the future so rich and exciting for our region. And it's great to have you uh, and the Food Innovation Centre is a key part of it. I'm really excited in the future of Eastern Promise to be look more closely at how we can build that virtuous circle. It's already built, I think, but how we can expand that virtuous circle yeah. to, to take in more, more business and spread the word. Yeah, and if you want to find out more, we're hosting a drinks reception uh, at the Norfolk Show where we're promoting the future of the cluster, the future of the centre, future of support for food and drink businesses in the region. Uh, it's a, an exciting space. I think it's got a massive scope for growth. Um, in the last year, we've got 250 food and drink SMEs that have joined the, mem uh, the membership of the cluster, and that can only grow. So that's quite incredible. Where can people go to find out more about the Food Innovation Cluster? You can go to foodinnovationbroadland.com. Foodinnovationbroadland.com. You heard it here first, folks. Alex Larter, thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Jerry White, principal. And he says it on your badge handily, so I don't have to yes. flannel through it. Chief Executive Officer and Principal, City College Norwich. There's always a fantastic turnout at the Royal Norfolk Show from City College Norwich. So tell us about what you're doing here this year. Well, I think this year, uh, firstly, we're representing all three colleges. We've got City College Norwich, we've got Paston College in North Waltham here, which we're really proud of, and Eastern College. And obviously, Eastern is the Agricultural College of yes. the county. And so we're really excited that, especially over in the new STEM village, which is a new creation for the RNAA this year, yes. that we're really supporting that by making sure that Eastern and the other colleges are really represented in everything we're doing in science and technology. That, that is so important and the, there is such an exciting future in science and technology in, in, in Norfolk and in the east of England. There are so many exciting things being built yes. around us. Um, so what are you hoping that young people who come to this stand, uh, come to this, uh, you know, we've got bricklayers here, that, you know, it's so important because there are so few of them. Yes. Um, what are you hoping they'll take away from seeing, seeing what you're doing? I think we always have a couple of audiences, really, Mike. We have the youngsters. I mean, you've got a lot of those behind you, primary school age students. And for them, I think, it's just planting that seed about the variety of careers, the variety of things that you can do locally, that you can be inspired to do. You know, we've got our hotel school, wonderful hotel school here with the chefs. You know, some people don't realise just how vibrant that industry is and just how accessible it is for young people. So we want to plant a seed with them that might not germinate for another five, ten years until they're ready to come to college, that the college is a fun place to be, that there's the, all these inspiring careers you can go into. Um, so that's really one audience. The second audience probably are those people who are closer to college age, you know, secondary school students, or a lot of parents of youngsters who are trying to find a direction for their young person. And certainly we get a lot of inquiries and we do a lot of talking there about that. There's a third audience probably, which is the business community as well, you know, trying to work with them about the skills they need and understanding how to support the Norfolk economy. That's, that's fantastic. And, and it's such a, a, a target-rich environment, if I could be uh, uh, blunt about it. That's, you know, it's so easy to tempt people in and your parents going, go and have a look, let's see. 
let's see what the future could look like for you. And it's really great to have you here. I mean, it's, it's hard to cover the ambit, the whole picture of what you do, because it is a really rich and varied picture. I mean, we, as I say, we went to the, uh, the Digitech factory, yeah. uh, which is a beautiful, beautifully designed new building with itself, you know, modern technology. Put, put it together because yeah. I remember using augmented reality to look at the steel. Yeah. And Ashton's legal uh, or electric bus is just going by. Uh, but so, what what kind of what's you where are you most excited for for the future of the college? And I just end on that question. Oh, that's a real tough one. <laughs> I, I think I think I think what we're always trying to do is to respond to what Norfolk needs us to do. So the challenge is always keeping up with a new innovation. Where's the new industries? Where's the new new products? The new um, sectors that are really growing. So Eastern's really important for the show, obviously, to be able to respond to the growth in agri-food tech, to be able to make sure that we're inspiring young people for the next generation. But it's not just those agricultural students. We need the digital students, we need the engineering students, we need the scientists that we've got, all to think about how they can play a role with food, agriculture and the wider sector. So for us, that's a really important part of our role here at the Norfolk Show, given its agricultural roots to the show. Well, Jerry White, it's not going to be the last time I hope we hear from you on Eastern Promise. And you are really the standard bearer of that promise. Thank you very much and have a really great, uh, really great show. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank Cheers. you. Councillor Andrew Jameson, Deputy Leader of Norfolk County Council. What a pleasure and thank you for coming on Eastern Promise. Very nice to meet you. It's really great to be here talking about one of the things that is absolutely fundamental to Norfolk. And that's agriculture, that's farming. There is such uh, a rich tapestry of people uh, farming the land and using it for so many, so many different wonderful things. What's the Norfolk County Council philosophy for uh, the agriculture, for our farmers? So there's really three parts to that, Mark. And the first point is to celebrate county farms. County farms, over 16,000 acres of, uh, of farmland, is owned by Norfolk County Council. It's something we built up after the First World War, land fit for heroes and so on. And, and that's a marvellous heritage and a marvellous thing to be a custodian of. And I'm very proud to be a custodian of that. As member for finance at, at Norfolk County Council, um, I take a keen interest, obviously, in this. And it's a capital asset, but it's a capital asset that we will cherish and hold because the future of farming is key to the future of our county. It's key from an economic perspective and it's key from an environmental perspective. And the way in which our county farms are set up, we have small farms, so it's often entry-level farming that we can do um, at Norfolk County Council and that helps young people come into farming. We've heard today some young, younger guys talking about diversification, talking about the need to change and my goodness that's true. But at Norfolk County Farms I think we provide a platform to enable people to do just that and there's some really exciting different forms of farming that we're taking place. So on that level that's really good. Farming of course is a huge part of Norfolk's economy overall and it's something again that we need to cherish and be careful of. Indeed. Um, shall, shall I just carry on? Or, no, carry yeah. on please. Um, so, um, the, the, uh, you know, from an environmental perspective, 
things are changing fast. We heard the speech say uh, there is a bewildering multiplicity of different schemes and we don't know which way things are going. What we do know, of course, is basic payments is changing and the way in which government is going to support farming is changing and it would appear that we would need to do much more. And I think that concept, that concept that was derived public money for public good is, um, is, is a really good sound building block for all farmers to work on. Yes, we should receive money as a farmer. I'm a farmer myself. Right. We should receive money, but we ought to be giving something back. I've created a 200-acre conservation scheme on my oh, farm. Wonderful. Uh, just by home. Um, it's right by the, uh, the, the, the coastal walk, um, so people can, can go past and go past this new uh, area of, of, of land set aside for birds. And my goodness, the change has been amazing. The diversity um, that we're getting onto that landscape now is quite wonderful. And it's wonderful to see it right next to the public footpath so people can, uh, can see what we're up to. So it's that sort yeah. of giving back I think that we need to You're do. absolutely right. And we, we, we mess with that, those sorts of things at our peril. I mean, farming is changing. Technology is changing farming. The, our, our demand for meat will lessen. And that will mean less land is required. However, that doesn't mean we necessarily oh, bring the bulldozers. It, it means we, we, we think very carefully where, where we do need to do development. I, I, I'm, 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 this is, I'm not putting words, trying to put words in your mouth. We think very carefully about where we do do development and where we do th that's sensitive, but we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm a very great advocate for, for, for sustainable economic growth, but that doesn't mean we lose our precious green spaces. And by gum, Norfolk has an awful lot of them. Yes. So there is so much potential here. It's so exciting to be a part of it. And through the work you're doing is really seizing that potential and helping to hand that on to the next generation. And I, we, Eastern Promise thoroughly commend you and uh, support you in that. Well, thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Okay. We, 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 we will meet again. Councillor Andrew Jameson, thank you for talking Thanks to us today. Thanks very much indeed, Mark. Thank you. Charlotte Pounder of Nelson Spirit, Pros Manager, tell us who are these fine, these fine people and why are they here and you're, what, what about their achievements are you celebrating today? So these are our uh, Nelson Scholars. We are working in partnership with Langley School and we've got actually Zoe, Molly, uh, Lucia and Jacob here today who are our current scholars and Fifi is joining us next year on the programme. Oh, so wow. really exciting. So sorry, I, 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 you whizzed through and I missed it and I thought, I better remember this. And I spent so long thinking about, I need to remember what their names are that I've forgotten your names. Sorry, go. I'm Lucia. Lucia. And tell us what it's been like to be part of this scheme. It's been amazing to be part of Nelson Spirit. We've had so many opportunities through networking and leadership mentoring. We attend the meetings monthly and we've gained work experience. We've had the chance to meet amazing business leaders in Norfolk, which has broadened our horizons and give us amazing connections for our future. Now, a Nelson Spirit event is one of my, my favourite kind because Nigel picks your conversation and picks who you're going to have it with. So that, make, that makes it so much easier than any other, like, the first thing you do at a networking event is look for someone you know, which isn't really how it's supposed to go. But Jacob, tell us about your work experience. What have you gained from that? Um, it's just been incredible. I mean, it's given me a unique insight into leadership, but also how many different types of leaders there actually are, which I never realised before. And the fact that we're now doing a programme with Lord Lieutenant is incredible because it's going to be able to reach so many more young people. And that is that is so important to have that that kind of, uh, I don't want to use a big word, but imprimatur, that kind of uh, heft behind the scheme of the Lord Lieutenant it is wonderful. And is it Molly? Molly. Mark, 
Got it. So what, what does that mean to you to have, you know, you, you are in a scheme that's been sort of blessed almost by the Lord Lieutenant? It's been so amazing to be part of the scheme. It's just, it's really pushed me to where I want to get to. I'm an ambitious person, but I don't think without Nelson Spirit I would have been able to get where I want to be. And the amount of work they put into the crew so inviting, I think it really is such an amazing project. They are, you are. They are really inviting. So it's interesting what you say about ambition. So you, you had that ambition, but you weren't, until Nelson Spirit, you weren't sure where to focus that. I kind of started off pushing myself out of my comfort zone and it was where do I go with it, what should I do with it and then when I became a Nelson Scholar it really showed me what I, what potential I had and where I could go to in life. Now I remembered Molly but because I'm an old man. <laughs> Fifi. Fifi. Yes. Molly's talking about being pushed out of her comfort zone. Yes. What, are you being pushed, are you prepared for that? Um, yeah, I'm prepared for it. I'm looking forward to um, being like pushed there because I, I don't think I was so much in my last school. So I'm looking forward to having um, somebody invested in getting me where I want to. Um, so I'm really prepared for that. I'm looking forward to it. Now, one of the things that Nigel is huge about is uh, keeping people in our region home first. Is a really is a, 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 you know and looking forward to the future. Now, I think as Eastern Promise that the future in this region, not just Norfolk, that's very important, but Suffolk, Cambridgeshire, Essex. So much to be excited about. You've got science here by the gallon, by the bucket load. You've got the energy sector that's going to, I hope, I believe, completely revitalise our coast, our coastline, and bring neglected towns back uh, into, into the glory they deserve. Your name is... Zoe. So sorry. Um, <laughs> what excites you about the future of the region? And what are you looking to do going on from, from this programme? I think just a vast amount of opportunities is like amazing around here. Like for instance, Nelson Spirit, it's been immeasurable really, the amount of stuff that's been on offer. Um, I'm looking into tech, which is quite a big developing industry at the moment. And I'm hoping in like the East that that's gonna develop further. What kind of tech? Um, I'm looking into like cybersecurity sort of. And so. Everybody, congratulations on what you've achieved. We're so proud to have you sort of being the, the future that Norfolk needs, the future that Norfolk deserves. Good luck in all your, your endeavours. I'm so sorry I didn't remember all your names and I'm so sorry I remembered yours because that looks really bad and, and, and part of the patriarchy, you know. Um, but uh, congratulations, well done, and we look forward to seeing great things come from you. No pressure. Thank you. Thank you. One of the show's many highlights was the Norfolk Chamber of Commerce's excellent business hub. The chamber's own section of the marquee was framed with giant yellow words, instructing showgoers to chill or chat. I said to myself, is it not too much to ask for both? And so I pulled up one of IQ Workspace's excellent chairs and sat down with Jack Weaver, former guest on this podcast and the newly installed Chief Operating Officer, of Norfolk Chambers of Commerce to give chilling and chatting a try simultaneously. The motorcycle historian himself. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've got a gig on uh, the Yesterday Channel. I, uh, I was at a bike festival at the weekend. Yeah? And I spotted a Norfolk-based motorcycle tour company called Mad Hatter's Motorcycle, who I've met before. Yeah. And... Uh, I sort of said, we've actually met before, and he went, oh yes, it's Jack the History Biker. Hey! I've only met him once. Um, lovely guy. You Have go. you got your own YouTube channel? I yeah. do. Haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. where do people find that? Do they just do That's just, it's just The History Biker. The History Biker. There you are, folks. The History Biker. It Look it up. First. Jack Weaver, Chief Operating Officer. Oh, I am the yes. pigeon, pigeon wrangler. Yeah, I've, I keep calling myself Nova Fairbanks number two, which I think is a poor choice of words. I, I, I think that's wrong. I think that, that must be wrong. <laughs>
congratulations on Thank your you. new post with the uh, Norfolk Chambers it's of Commerce. It's dead exciting. It is dead exciting. Um, you make it sound like a zombie thriller. It's dead exciting. It's dead exciting. Um, <laughs> I'm rambling already. Focus, Mike. It's Come a, on. It's, 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 Come hot, on. It's, it's a hot, hot day. It's been a long day. It's been a hot, long day. And I've, not, I've got to go and change into a suit in a minute. We'll get through this together. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what a wonderful space. Amazing, I mean, not it? just giving me a little studio here to work with, but what a wonderful space uh, you've got here. This is chill. Over there. Is it, what's the other one? Ironic, saying? that, isn't it? Chill. Yes, chill. Please try. <laughs> try, oh, try, try and cool down. So, so what is? Uh, it seems slightly obvious, but we're surrounded by really fabulous businesses who I've had a really exciting time interviewing, particularly yep. Solinatra over in the yep. corner. Got a great, really good chat with them. So, what what do you want this hub to achieve over the next two days or day and a half now? I think really the the driving force behind this is kind of a a manifestation of of the Chamber's mission, which is to connect, support and give voice to every business in Norfolk. We try not to have too much of a binary view of Chamber's membership. We're here for the whole of the county. If you run a business in Norfolk, come and talk to us. And really, this is a space to do that. Very often what you find with these sorts of events is that places can feel quite exclusive. Um, and, and what we wanted to create here was a, an open forum where people can literally just wander in. You don't have to own or run or even work in a business. This is just a space to come and network and chat. Uh, we just so happen to have 28 of some of our greatest Norfolk businesses around the outside. Um, we have IQ Workspace who've kindly brought all of this incredible office furniture. So we've had- It's great, isn't it? It's a brilliant, brilliant space. We've had people doing uh, Teams calls in the booths. I've seen someone on their phone doing a Zoom call over there. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, people are actually using it for, for, for precisely the purpose that we intended. Um, we've got Coffee Quest in the corner who've got, who've do doling out much needed caffeine all day. It is really good coffee. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic space. And we're running our own uh, sort of series of events in the corner behind the chill sign. Mm. throughout the two days um, and it's the feedback has been brilliant this is exactly what's been missing from the business perspective for, for, for the Norfolk show um, we've been here for many years we've never done it like this before but as something of a newcomer to the Chambers of Commerce you can't tell this is the first time we've done this no I it, can't. It, it looks like we've we're, we're old hands at this um, and the team are just having the most fantastic conversations with businesses that that, that want to do more and they want to network and connect and do more in Norfolk and it's brilliant I mean I'm personally really grateful and thankful and enthusiastic about support that Eastern Promise has had from the Chamber. Uh, just, just in terms of sharing what we do, commenting on what, we, what Eastern Promise does, and, and yourself in a, in a, in a former, former role, which I was talking about only this morning, uh, our, our fantastic tour of Thetford, which is a, yes, a, yeah. a really exciting place uh, in terms of its potential for the future. But when you finish this, how will you know that it's done what you, you wanted it to do, needed it to do? Is it going to be more members? Is it going to be just really positive feedback? Or it's it just... both. It's yeah. both. There's, 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 there's two answers to your question there. One is very quantitative in terms of our sort of membership, really. Um, like I said, we're not, we're not a hard sell. We don't sell at all. We, we put on great events. We give business a voice um, that they don't necessarily have you know, on, on their own. Um, and we like to think that our offer is so compelling that people think, yeah, I'm going to be yeah. a member of the Chambers of Commerce. If not, that's totally fine. We're still here for you, right? So, so there's the very much the quantitative, do we have more people interested in, in a sort of a formal membership, if you like? If they are, fantastic. If not, that's fine. And then there's the qualitative, which in many ways is more valuable. It's people that then go away and say, do you know what? I, I went and saw the Chambers of Commerce. Um, and the venue was brilliant. I got some great advice. I met X business. So I'm going to phone there. I'm going to have a coffee with this potential client. Um, and then gradually the word of mouth gets out that this was this was well worth doing. 
um, and even just the feedback to, to, to our team that, that we're doing the right thing and that we're here for business is, um, is, is invaluable, really. So I think there's, there's, there's kind of two ways to cut that, um, and, and both are equally important, I think. That's, I mean, what I really like, and you, you alluded to it yourself, is that when you see on social media, on LinkedIn particularly, you see Chamber events come up. Mm -hmm. You never get the sense of, because that's not for me, I'm not a member. Yeah. You just, it, it always seems open, it always seems warm and welcoming, and they are everywhere. There's not, there's not, you know, you're not like, we're all Norwich all the time, or all, all here, or absolutely all there, not. or absolutely all not. across the board, and that is wonderful. I think what, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think, you know, we've, we've, we've met several times in this sort of context, and, and I'll use the example of somewhere like Thetford, you know, any of our market towns, though, sort of ten yes, a penny yeah. in the east of England. I'm always surprised at, if you scratch beneath the surface, what's going on on that industrial estate or behind that curtain. And, and, and I think what we're, what, we're, what we're very good at at the Chambers is getting out and doing events in places where they don't necessarily have that same level of representation. The other thing is, you know, of all the business organisations that there are in Norfolk, we're the only ones that have got as many boots on the ground. So, yes. so, so, so our team is now sort of at strength for the time being, and there's mm -hmm. 17 of us. Um, you know, that's, that's a, quite a lot of, you know, <laughs> feet and hands and eyes out about in, in, the, in the county listening and contributing and advising. And I, I don't think there's anyone else really doing that. Well, you have, I have to say, some of the most exciting members doing wonderful things. Mentioned Solinatra, mentioned IQ Workspace. Yeah. Doing really, really wonderful things. And it's brilliant to have you here. Uh, you are so needed so welcome and so vital to the, the, the economic well-being of, of North. Thank you, we think so too. Thank you very much, Jack Weaver. It's, <laughs> it's a, a pleasure. pleasure to, it's a pleasure to have you on again. Likewise. Thank Good you very much. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. Thank Gary you Gilvey, Director of uh, Impact Services. Yes. You, what you do is so important because this region has such a, pun intended, bright future yes. in renewables. As Peter Aldous, MP for Waveney says, we can keep the lights on single-handed this region. Yes. So tell me what impact, what role impact has in that. So what we do, so first of all, is me and my brother run the business. Um, we employ 35 staff, um, fully employed. We're a great family team. There's six members of my family who's in the business. So we completely have that full-on employment value. Everybody who is, works for us is valued. So going to your original question, it's, yeah. it's all about sustainability at the moment. It's very, very important for the UK to start hitting their target of net zero. So people like Goody's Farm Shop, who invested a considerable amount to lower their energy bill yeah. and their energy consumption, invested in 60 kilowatts on their roof and wow. 90 kilowatts on the ground. It, wow. it went straight through a nice, simple process through planning, which we got through really, really quickly. I we bet. Deal, we deal with the planners, but it's all about saving the sustainability of their output on their energy usage. Yeah. So again, we've done the light aircraft. So the ECA, which is the Electrical Contract Association. Yes. They, they write the rules for NIC, EIC. Yeah, it's a massive mm -hmm. company. They chose us to do a case study, which we've done on the light wow. aircraft. Yeah, out, out of the blue. Out of all the companies in the whole of the UK, they chose us. It's a massive- Good choice. Yeah, it's a fantastic one. And just really, really demonstrated the skill set that you need. Now we do need more installers, electricians in the trade. Yes. For this whole process to happen. Yeah. And that's what we're severely lacking. I so. mean, there's so much scope for people. I had this conversation with Jonathan Reynolds of Opogee to look across the piece and don't just train someone for one sector. Train them across the exactly. electrical engineers to deal with anything, so they can move around and we don't have to say, 
oh, I, I can only work in the wind sector, I can only work yeah, in this exactly, and that and the exactly, other. Exactly, exactly. All our electricians are AM2 qualified. It's the highest qualification you can get. We then get them solar PV, EV trained. So every single course that's available out there, they're, they're all done it, including our engineers. Yeah. So everyone is up to, up to the standard that meets the, where is it? The ECA. M MTS. Yeah, yes, I've got, I know that well because we've got certificate with that one because we, at home, we have about seven kilowatts solar on the roof. Okay. And on a, on a day like today, yep. well, actually not a day like, the day like, days like we've had, we, we can run like three appliance, heavy appliances and a, and a air conditioner for no, not, well, not air conditioner, for nothing, for yeah. free. Well, so it is amazing. Air conditioning, nothing wrong with it, especially in the summer when, when you're generating that energy, then you want a nice, comfortable living space. But I have aircon in my house all over the place. Yeah. And like you said, it completely runs for free at the moment. So we, could, we have them all on, we know we're generating, especially these summer days. We're really lowering the temperature in the house, using any, any of the electricity, it's a no-brainer. And where, I mean, where are we with batteries these days? Because you batteries is up there, I see. Yep, batteries. I mean, it's a huge part, because people are like, well, what happens when the wind doesn't blow? Well, we've got batteries now, and they're getting better and better and better. Exactly. Four years ago, we wouldn't touch batteries. The technology wasn't quite there with the cells and, and the temperatures and everything else. They've evolved massively. We're now doing partnership with SolarX, uh, Give Energy. Give Energy recommend us as a, really? as a supplier in, in the east of England. Um, so anyone goes on Give Energy website, they'll be recommended to us. It's it's massive, and we also we also install SolarX. It's a huge, huge business. We have their technical um, we have a technical department doing all the firmware upgrades. So batteries are now at a level which is a no-brainer to have if you've got solar. May I ask a question to you? Do you have batteries? We don't. However, we are battery ready Perfect. because we couldn't quite make that extra financial leap to a battery, yeah. but yeah. my father-in-law had the, uh, the same person installed his as well, and he has a battery, and I have to say, I expected it to be this huge, bulky thing, but it was like, it's like even, it was smaller than a storage heater. Yeah. Sleek um, exactly. chrome panel against the wall, more or less, yeah, exactly. and it was like, you know. You can, they're, they're designed now to be part of the furniture, so if you, if you haven't got any outside space, we don't install them in the loft because of the heat yeah. and the cold. Um, we prefer, preferably want to have an indoor space, so if you have a, a place that is going to be prevalent in the house and people are going to see it, they're designed to look that part of the furniture now. So, Well, I'll, I will say this, Gary, we are it's so proud to have so many renewable firms and really showing that the east of England is, absolutely. is the leading place for um, renewable energy. Our coast is, is, is just beginning to, to show, its, show its potential yeah, and absolutely. there's so much more still to come. Yeah, 100%, I agree with that. Gary, thank you so much for speaking to me. No problem. Thank Love you very you. much. All the best. Take care. One of the most remarked upon aspects of the Business Hub was the fantastic furniture provided by IQ Workspace. This included two giant hemispherical seating areas, perfect for use in the grounds of a science or research park, and also a soundproof booth for those top-secret conversations that you don't want people overhearing at a show. Ian Fulcher of IQ Workspaces showed me the soundproof booth in action, and I have no doubt you'll be able to hear the difference. Unfortunately, it blocks the outside sound out, not me. So bad luck there. Oh my God, I could have come in. Oh, this is nice. Well, when you I shut like the door, this. it switches the world off. I need more of this. 
I need more of this. I, you know, I, I they, they, they do say if you have to ask. Um, <laughs> how, much, how much is it? Well, Every, everybody's asking, so um, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be the first to ask. Um, this in it. The thing about these things is that they're available in uh, so many different shapes and sizes and options. We, as an office furniture dealer, can deal with several different manufacturers across huge budget ranges. So something like this could be as little as, I don't know, five or six, seven thousand, depending mm -hmm. on spec. This one's about 25,000 because right. of all the acoustics. Well, and uh, the... People, if, on the audio only version of this, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> I'm now slightly paranoid I haven't pressed go. I think I did, but um, people listening to the audio will notice that the, sound, the, the hustle and the bustle has now been completely cut out because we're in this really beautiful, fabulous IQ Workspace soundproof booth with Ian from IQ Workspace, right. who has transformed this tent. I have never seen one, one, one like it. You have done an absolutely amazing job. Good and time. this is here at the show for people to use, is it not? Yeah, the, the whole idea of creating the collaboration zone for the chamber is to give businesses that are at the show and specifically in the business hub somewhere to get away from the bustle and the hustle, hustle and the bustle, um, so, that they can, so they can have quali quality conversations with clients or with, or with whoever they want, you know, suppliers, just to, just to get away from, from, the, from the melee that's out yeah. there. And we're designing these into offices now all the time, big open plan offices yes. have, have um, uh, spaces needed for, you know, stuff, meetings. In the, co in the, in the post-COVID era, um, you know, people are less in the office. So to, to come into an open plan office in, into one of, one of these for a nice one-to-one -one meeting or to crack on with a piece of, with a piece of um, concentrated work, these are absolutely ideal for that. And there's, there's, there's no partitioning. It is a piece of furniture. So uh, if you're renting the space, you, you move it with you if you move yeah. out, you know, and you don't need building regulations. Uh, it's treated just like a piece of furniture. So is your, it's mainly offices, yes, that you work in? Well, that is... Um, the giant ball of... The, gi the giant ball. It's like the prisoner, you know. <laughs> over there. Um, that particular one is an outdoor pod. There's an indoor version of that pod, which, right. again, for, it's all it's for, absolutely for meetings. Brilliant. That one is for outdoors. And we've had loads of, loads of um, kids in here from private, um, or public schools, as we call, call them in this country, who are thinking, well, that, these would be amazing out in our, in our fields. So I'll have a chat with the head teacher and see if we can get a few of those yeah. in the... I'm thinking about science parks, the research park here in Norwich. That'd exactly. Be fantastic out, out in the grounds for, for people to sit and have meetings. But what excites me about uh, what you do is uh, not just all the really squishy stuff that I wish I could afford. <laughs> it's if you look at our region as a whole and take somewhere like Cambridge, mm. where offices are being have, having to be transformed into labs yep. because of the demand on lab space, mm. that office space has got to go somewhere. Yeah. And I think there's a fantastic case to be made, particularly in Norfolk, for that corridor between uh, the labs in, uh, in Norwich, the labs in Cambridge, to turn that into the logistics and admin hubs uh, and the aff affordable, reasonably priced housing. But in the main, this is rather warm, in the main, <laughs> what a brilliant time to be able to say, 
we've got we've got your requirements met you know look That's at true. this yeah oh, fantastic and the office landscape has changed so much since covid lots of people are hybrid working working from home employers are trying to get people back into the office um, and the reason they're doing that is because they're feeling especially with younger members of staff they're not they're not getting the interaction they're not getting the product training or the staff training or the uh, the culture of their organization seeping in as well as they as they could because it's all on zoom or it's on yeah. teams and um and there's very little one-to-one -one. so by encouraging people back into the workspace not to come and sit at a battery hen type of right you know desk arrangement where they come in at nine o'clock in the morning plug their plug into their computer do eight hours and go home again what's happening now is that we're creating these kind of spaces for organizations to attract people back into the office so that they can collaborate and top up on the culture and have conversations with teams or come in for a special project and then go home to do the to-do list where they need quiet concentration yeah um, and that's very much what's happening now uh, you know we're creating cafe areas and I love space it. lounges and meeting spaces and collaboration zones just like this one I know this this I mean the Norwich Research Park, you've got the Central Building, the Quadrum, you've got the Bradfield Centre out in Cambridge, and I'm sure people could name a lot more places. Uh, the Epicentre at Haverhill. Buildings that have got public spaces where people can come in for a meeting, and then yep. you are tempting them in, teasing them in, and they, and they exactly. think one day they think, I need more. Exactly. Let's look at this. Yeah, this is what we do. This is what we do. Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing that. And I hope we get more people come and use this, because it is fantastic. Yeah, it's really what it's wonderful. for. I'm trying to encourage people just to well, meet, let's, let's meet do their that. clients and suppliers in the collaboration zone. It's well, like, I, I, I should be hanging out here for the next day in a bit. But and you're more than welcome to thank use you, this Ian. for your interview. What a pleasure. Yes, yeah, so I'm Dr. Benjamin Reddick. Dr. Benjamin Reddick, the HMS Gloucester. I mean, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to see you here talking about this amazing story. Yeah, uh, Norfolk, Norf Norfolk's Mary Rose, or is the is, is uh, the Mary Rose somebody else's HMS Gloucester? Ah, there you uh, go. So tell us, I mean, tell us about the UEA's role in finding this this monumental national treasure. Thank you. So uh, UEA got upon 2019, where and, and since then we've been working to provide the historical advice to the finders, Junior Lincoln Barnwell and James Little, are on the project, and we're now very kindly funded by the Liebergeen Trust to fund a large research project to explore the, the career of the Gloucester. And what's particularly significant about the Gloucester is it's not just a shipwreck. It's also, it also had a really long and interesting career, which spans back all the way to 1652, when the ship is actually commissioned to be constructed. So it's a ship that's in in service for some 30 years yeah so, and and that's one thing that uea are doing at the moment to research the import of this career in addition to that currently at norwich castle museum there is a major exhibition called the last voyage of the gloucester norfolk's mary no, um, last voyage of gloucester norfolk's mary rose 1682 and uh, that exhibition is based on the research that myself and Professor Claire Jowett have done to underpin that and we serve as curators for that exhibition. That, this must be an incredibly fascinating and rich time for you to, to, get, to, get, to get to grips with. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the Mary Rose in its maiden voyage? 
No, uh, yeah, so it wasn't. That's the, that's the fa interesting thing. The Mary Rose had really tried to ensure that they, they and that's, that myth is kind of removed. The Mary Rose oh. was, was actually launched in 1511, 1512, I believe. So, and, and it sinks in 1545. So it also has quite a long career. Well, you see, that, there you go. I was going to be <laughs> snooty on behalf of the East of England and say, uh, yours is, ours has got a really story to read. Yours yeah. is. Uh, but, I mean, what, do you, what kind of knowledge are you hoping to impart to um, the showgoers these next two days? Good. So we want to highlight the importance of this ship to Norfolk. It's, it's hugely significant. This isn't just a warship that, um, th that participates in many battles. It's also a ship that's carrying the heir to the throne, James Duke of York, York and Albany, on board at the time. And uh, this Mary Rose, uh, the, the, the Gloucester sinks in 1682. And just three years later, that passenger who, which the ship is carrying becomes king. Right. He, he only survives as king for three years because he's a controversial king. He's seen as a bad king, as a tyrant. And yeah. he's also a Catholic, which isn't a particularly popular aspect of, of, of his leadership qualities. And um, that's what, one of the reasons why the gospel is so significant, because of who it's carrying on board and what could have happened if that individual had drowned on that day. Really? There, would, there wouldn't have been a reign of James II. Have you, have you gone very have you gone very far into the counterfactual of what could have been? Absolutely. So, interestingly, the, the king at the time of the Gloucester's wreck is Charles II, but Charles II has no legitimate male heirs. <laughs> He's got plenty of illegitimate. He, has, he certainly has plenty of illegitimate male heirs, and uh, in, one of them was the Duke of Monmouth. Yes. Uh, he's an he, he's, he, he's quite unpopular because of his illegitimacy, and he, but he is a Protestant. Yes. And many people support that he should have become the king and James shouldn't, purely because he was Catholic. And uh, it's quite, quite probable that if James had died at this time, then J J the Duke of Monmouth would have become king. Now, if that would have happened, that would have meant that in 1688 there'd have been no glorious revolution that would have moved James from the line of would move James from the yeah. from power. Um, without and with, so without that there'd have been no reign of William Mary and there'd have been no Bill of Rights which created a constitutional monarchy, which reduced the power of the mon the monarchy and uh, increased influence of Parliament. So the c country today would look very different if the Duke of York had indeed drowned on that day. Well, I could go into that forever, but I'm, I'm going to sort of leave, leave some space for other guests. Uh, thank you ever so much. That's fascinating. And we will get out to the museum and take a look at the HMS Gloucester. Is there anywhere people can go to find out more information if they're not here today? Absolutely. So we have a project website, which is thegloucestershipwreck.co.uk. And um, it, that, that has much information on the history. And do, of course, visit the Norwich Castle Museum website. Um, and the exhibition is open until the 10th of September 2020. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to learn more about the Gloucester. Have a really great uh, Royal Norfolk show. Thank you. And yourself. Dr. Samantha Fox, the STEM village. It's the end of the second day of the Royal Norfolk show, but what a triumph. Oh. What an absolute triumph. You, you were just showing around the Lord Lieutenant, uh, Lady Dana. 
Tell us what the what the, the last two days have been like for you. Oh, it's just been absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm so grateful to all the exhibitors who've come along to this absolutely brand new STEM Village zone of the Royal Norfolk Show. Um, but it's just been so much fun. I mean, I'm just absolutely buzzing. I can tell, this. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even this late on a on a Thursday afternoon. You go around the STEM village over there, and there's still a lot of people, you know, really excited about the science that's going on in Norfolk. Uh, all those institutions, you've got medicine, you've got engineering, you've got uh, renewable energy over there and in there. Uh, you've you put together this right, cornucopia of the science that, that Norfolk and Norwich do best. And, you know, what a perfect place to come and, and, and show it off, apart, apart from possibly the Norwich Science Festival, but we'll work on that. Um, I, I, I can't really, I'm running out of superlatives because it, it really is a triumph. So what, have you already started thinking about next year? Oh, we are. I mean, we do, we're just, let's enjoy these two days. <laughs> uh, but everybody has said to me, this is just the start and we're just going to even grow this for next year. So it's just been fantastic. As you say, we've had such a range of different organisations from, and we've showcased technology, agri-tech, small startup companies that have been innovations. We've got academia, as you mentioned, we've got across the research park. We've also got engineering and a whole cluster of groups that have come together to showcase the opportunities, the training, but the innovation in what's going on in our region and the offshore wind cluster as well. And these, these guys have just been incredible and they're all loving it so, so much and just want to grow it for next year. And of course, we've got the Eastern College, Pastor College, City College, Norwich 10th, which just enhances it and showcases the training routes on offer but yeah just the diversity the excitement it's full of people who absolutely love their job and want to share that and they've given up their time many have yeah. been working loads and loads of really long hours we've had people clinicians from the hospital from James Paget from Norwich from allies they're, they're just so excited to be here and, and love what they do and hopefully inspire the next generation to think about their futures and their next steps and know that here in this region, there are so many opportunities. There is, and Norwich is, is home to so, I mean, you're, you're also an academic at the, yep. the John Innes Centre. What an absolutely world-leading hub of plant science. You know, that's someone called that the HBO, your a high potential opportunity. <laughs> uh, it's an amazing place. It's going to be even more amazing once this 370 million quid yep. goes in. It's really exciting, and I, for one, can't wait to see it grow and... and, and for the Youth STEM Award, for the STEM Village, everything you do to be a part of it. So proud of what you've done here. It's, it's been amazing and, and really look forward to seeing what you do next year, no pressure. Oh my goodness, well thank you, thank you Mike. And I just really appreciate you shouting about this. So if people want to get involved next year, just get in touch because I think we're going to start planning this straight away. I mean this year we put it together in about three or four months really. It's from an idea of yeah. filling a gap at the show and they wanted to bring in more STEM and they wanted to bring in more agri-tech and target that to the teenagers and the college-age students um, and just enhance the educational offer at the Discovery Zone, uh, which is already fantastic, but really aimed at getting those primary school children planting the seeds, if you'll excuse the pun, <laughs> and they've got a fantastic showcase this year. Um, and I just think this, this just adds another dimension. But we've had everybody here from the five-year-olds on the school trips to the, the college-age students and the families. But we've also had, a, you know, I didn't necessarily anticipate all the fantastic 
uh, interactions between the organisations and also the, the cross connections between different disciplines which as a scientist you know having worked in that amazing way we've got the, the biologists and the computer scientists we've got different people coming together and looking at the potential of, of not just today but how can we grow on this for the future. I mean I, I cannot think of, a, of an, a science park, a research park that is more interconnected than the Norwich Research Park. I mean, I love all the Cambridge Science Parks, they're great places, but they are a very a wider, broader mix of disciplines. But I think the concentration you get on the Norwich Research Park is very much its strength. But I was talking to young farmers this morning at an event and saying, what, what, can, what, do you, what links do you have with plant science? What do you do to talk about where those advancements are coming from? Well, not, not many, really. Well, you know, get over here, come and talk to the plant scientists and let's start something fantastic growing. Samantha Fox, you've had a really hectic couple of days. <laughs> I think it's about time you go and put your put your feet up and oh, have a have something nice and cold. Thanks, uh, the, the drink of your truck. I will. Thank you very much Thank for your you. time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Now. You may well be wondering whether I managed to grab a word or two from the Prince of Wales during his flying visit on day two of the show. Well, haha, <laughs> here's the thing. No but you can see some of my video dispatches from the show on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for Eastern Promise the podcast and sit back and watch me burble my way through several fantastic conversations with very wonderful and patient people. And I'll see you again for the Royal Norfolk Show 2024. You know, Elton John and I have a lot in common. Mainly that we both just may have ended our careers at a festival in a field. But what are your top choices for the biggest events the East of England can offer, eh? It's time to put your hands in the air for another... Crowd Sorcery. Let's kick off with one of our region's biggest and brightest festivals. And Neil Griffin, Business Support Director, is giving a lot of latitude to... Uh, latitude. It is, says Neil, a great festival, even just for a day out. Having watched a lot of Glastonbury coverage, it reminds me how lucky we are to have such an eclectic festival right here in Suffolk. Now, agreement comes across the border in Cambridge from Tammy Dugan, Life Sciences and Healthcare Partnerships lead at the University of Cambridge, who agrees and says, A few of us from the UOC heading to Latitude. Yeah, thumbs up and starry eyes indeed. Tammy, Neil, it is truly fantastic and yet more proof that the East of England can put on a show that lives in a class of its own. Next up, Adam Peed, Life Science and Workspace Solutions expert from Inuti who's gone west for his festival. Big fan of Festival 2 in Kings Lynn. All free and feeder headlining this year, who were the first band Adam saw at the waterfront in 1996. Thank you, Adam. Kings Lynn is one of the very few places I haven't been yet with Eastern Promise, and let's work on changing that very soon. Meanwhile, another friend of the show... Tarquin Bennett-Coles, senior partner at SCI Partners, advisor for Jainai Me Limited, I hope I said that right, 
pro bono mentor for the Homerton Changemakers, and careers in healthcare supporter for the MBA and EMBA students at the Judge Institute, says simply, Cambridge Club Festival was great. Now, like Festival 2, I hadn't heard of the Cambridge Club Festival, and I googled it. I found the website at thecambridgeclub.co, and my tiny mind was blown. It looks awesome. Unfortunately, all the early bird tickets are now gone, but let's all keep an eye out for fresh tickets coming soon. No, I'm not just angling for a press pass, thank you. Now, pay attention, everyone, as an important public service announcement is coming from Ted Leggett, Interim Culture and Events Manager at Norwich City Council. Given it is for an ancient and venerable happening, I shall deliver this news in the appropriate manner. <clears throat> oh yay! Oh yay! Oh yay! The Honourable Ted Leggett, being of sound mind, body, and interim culture and events manager for the esteemed city of Norwich, wishes it to be known that the Lord Mayor's weekend a celebration for all the family will be happening this weekend, 7th to the 9th of July. All are welcome in the fine city. Oh, yay! <clears throat> Thank you. For more information on all that Ted has planned for us, go to www.norwich.gov.uk forward slash LMW. And now, from a great Norwich festival coming up to one that's just passed. Now, I apologise to Gemma Hoskins, development manager at the Norfolk and Norwich Festival, for tagging her in and thus forcing her to take a view. Says Gemma, if I can't choose the Norfolk and Norwich Festival, I'll go with the Worstead Festival. Do you know, I had no idea we had so many festivals with another one coming from Tim Robinson, Chief Operating Officer at Tech East, who just wants to dance the night away at the Maverick Festival, alt-country and Americana in beautiful Suffolk countryside since 2008. And you can find out more at maverickfestival.co.uk forward slash line dash up. You won't be blue if you hurry to catch the Deer and Blues Festival. Which is already up and running as I write this script. I know! Hard to believe, isn't it? But it's true. I do actually write a script. Find out more about Deer and Blues Festival at www.deerandbluesfestival.org.uk And that's all for this week and for episode 68 of Eastern Promise. I have been Mike Rigby and will be again next time when I'll be chatting with the wonderful Jane Hutchins, director of Cambridge Science Park and also heading out for a tour of the park with Jane, looking at how the UK's original science park is moving with the times and continuing to grow. I'm always delighted to share what Eastern Promise is up to, but this interview was an absolute joy and emblematic of the way Cambridge is simply incapable of resting on its laurels. That's all coming your way very soon. 
In the meantime, do check out our website, easternpromise.org.uk and also our new YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Eastern Promise, the podcast. And there you'll be able to access video from the Royal Norfolk show as well as some of our other podcasts from times past. Until then, my thanks to everyone at the Royal Norfolk show and to Engineer 49, without whom none of this would be possible. So blame him. And thank you to you for listening. Our lives seem busier than ever, and I truly am humbled that you are actually choosing to listen to me and increasingly watch Eastern Promise. I'll catch you next time, so until then, bye for now. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.